happy Friday to all of you. Thank you for being with us. I hope you'll join us. 800-941-SEAN, our telephone number if you want to be a part of this extravaganza. We've got a lot happening that we got to talk about. What's happening? Big picture, we can talk about a lot of things. Um, Look at what's happening. This climate agenda of Biden, this, this new Green Deal insanity. Paris Climate Accords that punishes America and and China and India, far bigger polluters when it comes to emissions. They're they're viewed as developing countries and pay the the low rates. Are you kidding me? Um, It's pretty unbelievable. Foreign policy. Look what the Rand deal is back. We have Russia, hostile regime, hostile actor Putin. Yeah, now he's showing more territorial ambitions with Ukraine. What's Joe going to do? China now, their territorial ambitions, threatening Hong Kong, Taiwan, and, and, and building islands for their military, and, and then lecturing the United States of America, and then Joe's team apologizing for America on the issue of human rights when they meet in Alaska. The communist Chinese, you know, we were watching genocide unfold in our time. It's so sad. It's so sad. And it's and it's something that we better we better start paying attention. I hope all of you will take up the challenge. And, and I want to deputize anybody and everybody we can. That this country, we're headed down a really bad road. The power grab we're watching before us. Yeah, we're going to pack the courts. We're going to end the legislative filibuster. D.C. statehood, Puerto Rico statehood. All things he said he was not going to do during the campaign. Which of these do you support? None. Well, why is he supporting them now? You know, add to that H.R. 1, S.R. 1, then reparations, defunding, and or dismantling the police. Massive income, capital gains taxes. I mean, it, it's madness. This capital gains tax increase. This is, I want to know why the Dow took such a big hit yesterday. I don't know what it is today. Currently, it w- he wants capital gains to go from 23.8% to 43.4%. Okay, you know what that's going to result in? A massive sell-off before the law goes into effect. All this accumulation of power, you know, every, every bill... You know, now we have uh, Sheldon Whitehouse, Democrat, Rhode Island, the senator. Every bill has to be a climate bill. Well, so far, they're, they're maintaining that because emergency COVID relief, it became basically the climate bill and the blue state bailout bill and everything but emergency COVID relief. That was only 9% of the bill. And the same with the infrastructure. Everything's infrastructure. Child care is infrastructure. Pre-K is infrastructure. You got to be kidding. That's not infrastructure. Reparations is infrastructure. Everything's infrastructure. You know, it's, you know, this this race to to call everything. If you're against D.C. statehood, you are now a racist, according to some. I'll give you the details of that in a second. You support Georgia's voting law far less restrictive than Delaware. Joe Biden. You remember my state's a slave state. Put you all back in change. You ain't black. The guy that partnered with the guy that filibustered the 64 Civil Rights Act, the 65 Voting Rights Act, and partnered with the former Klansmen to stop integration of schools and busing and, 
Yeah, we don't want our schools becoming racial jungles. Now he's going to lecture America on systemic racism. I've told you, if you want to get in Joe's White House, you want to get to the Capitol, you want to see your congressman, congresswoman, yeah, you need a photo picture ID. DNC, convention, picture ID. Buy a pack of cigarettes, picture ID. Six pack of beer, picture ID. Bottle of wine, picture ID. A jewel pod, picture ID. You need a picture ID for everything. There are four things that we need if we want confidence and integrity in our voting system. It's not that complicated. I would think everybody, every American wants this. The reason they want HR, what is there's really two big things they don't want. Well, th- we'll say three. They want m- massive registration. They don't even want to clean up the voting rolls, which is like, what? That should be standard. They don't want picture ID. They don't want signature verification. We have laws in almost every state that partisan observers get to observe the vote count. Republicans and Democrats. That's not complicated. Chain of custody to make sure that there's no tampering with ballots. You have people on both sides of the aisle having their representatives make sure there's no tampering. Is that complicated? Not that complicated. Well, why do they why don't they want these things? Well, the reason is obvious because they think they're going to do better with a system that would allow them flexibility. What's the flexibility for? Georgia, 17 days in-person early voting. Guess how many Joe's state has? Zero. Zero. 500 years he served for the people of Delaware. Somewhere around there, 500. 50. I know it's over 50, but eh, it looks like 500. Georgia allows lockboxes. Matter of fact, mandates it in every precinct in the state. Delaware has zero vote boxes, whatever you call them. You know, the same with both states have voter ID laws. So how do you call that Jim Crow 2.0? I'm convinced that we'll be able to stop this because it is the most pernicious thing. This makes Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. I mean, this is gigantic what they're trying to do. And it cannot be sustained. And it's just not right. This is Jim Crow on steroids, what they're doing in, in Georgia and 40 other states. What it's all about. Imagine passing a law saying you cannot provide water or food for someone standing in line to vote. Can't do that. Come on. It is reassuring to see that uh, for-profit operations and businesses are speaking up about how these new Jim Crow laws are just antithetical to who we are. Oh, okay. Why didn't you lift a finger in the 500 years you've represented the great state of Delaware? You know, everything's now going to be a climate bill. All that is is socialism. That's where, what is the Green New Deal? We've explained this a hundred times, maybe 500 times. It's, it's, it, it's, oh, everything is guaranteed, guaranteed government job, guaranteed pre-K through college paid for. Forgiveness of college loans, guaranteed government wage, guaranteed government healthy food, guaranteed government health care, guaranteed government retirement. Again, you're trusting the same people that failed with their simple promise and talking point on Obamacare to keep your doctor, keep your plan and save money. The same people from the same states, the same liberal Democrats 
that don't that, that, that there's no law and order and safety and security in their cities and their states that they've run for decades. The same people that we give more per capita per student than any other industrialized nation with the worst results. Why would you trust them when they give you a promise for something else they're going to provide? How's Social Security doing these days? And how's Medicare doing these days? They're both headed for insolvency. Let me give you another word. That would be bankruptcy. They bankrupted it. There's no there's no lockbox. They didn't save your Social Security money. I want to talk about, you know, Bernie Madoff. It's a Ponzi scheme of all Ponzi schemes, but it's, I guess, legal because they do it. They've squandered. They spent it. They put the money in the general fund and they lied to us. Socialism always ends in failure. It results in broken promises, unfulfilled promises, more poverty. And then it's a matter of how much of your freedoms you give up in the name of false security that your government bureaucrats so want to provide and promise you. Trust the government. I don't trust the government. Their track record sucks. Why should we trust them? They have a track record. Look at past results as a, a pretty good indication of future results. You know, Biden is now going to restore California's power to set pollution rules. Oh, okay. I'm watching this very closely. White House is mulling grants for critical race theory in classrooms, which we have talked about. Uh, that's the next thing on the agenda. Uh, and uh, let's see, Obama Department of Energy scientist descends from Biden's climate change existential crisis narrative. Former Undersecretary Department of Energy under Obama, Steve Coonan is his name, is dissenting from this hysteria and he's in this stance of a global climate crisis saying that the data does not support the hysteria. This is Obama's guy. What I realized is that although you hear people talking about we've, we've, we're going to believe in the science, the science is settled, we, we've got an existential crisis, when you actually read the science, it doesn't support that kind of hysteria at all. He said in an interview, he's a physicist, professor at NYU, and said he began extensively researching climate trends in 2014 and prompting him to write his latest book, Unsettled what climate science tells us and what it doesn't and why it matters. Well, listen to the scientist. Yeah, that Fauci did a great job. All the scientists, all the experts, all the models, all the predictions on the pandemic, all the, oh, you don't, wearing a mask? Fauci was saying in March of last year, come on. It's not going to help at all. Don't wear a mask. Americans don't need to wear a mask. Now we got to wear two. Even after you're vaccinated, wear a mask. Unbelievable. Anyway, he said that the temperatures rising globally have risen by roughly 1.8 degrees Fahrenheit over the last century, but then argued that even as the earth was warming and continues to warm, mankind has been able to make immense advances, expanding food resources and access to electricity. What I always say, no country has accumulated more power, abused it less, as Barry Farber said, I add, and used Use this freedom for the advancement of the human condition. I predicted back in January of last year that I had faith that the medical community would come up with therapeutics, ultimately a vaccine on coronavirus. And I'm again, I urge you to talk to your doctors. Make your own decisions. Do your own research. Learn. 
I'm not anti-medicine, anti-science. I'm not anti-vaccine at all. Actually, very pro. You know, we've got the, you know, the Dow tumbling yesterday on this capital gains plan. 23% to 43%. Now, let me explain what a capital gains tax is. All right, let's say you have an income tax. You paid your income tax. Then you, you take a risk and you invest it. You know, people do lose money in the stock market, just in case you don't know. People lose money in investments. I have myself. I know. I'm, you know, so you're putting your money at risk a little bit so that, okay, if you make money taking that risk, now the money you've already been taxed, now they want another bite of the apple. It's a capital gains tax. Invest in a house, make a profit, capital gains tax. Government always gets their bite. You drop dead. 40% 40% estate tax. They're going to raise that. New York State, you pay another 10% to New York. Florida, zero. What the hell am I doing here? We've got to get out of here. I'm an idiot. I need to get my lawyers working on my contract as soon as possible. Got to get out of here. So stu- You know, people say, you're so stupid to live in New York with all those taxes. I'm like, you're right. I can't argue with you. I can't say, yeah, no, you're wrong. It's indefensible at this point. All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of this extravaganza, uh, a lot of lot of other news that's going on today. One of the things that is really sad for the country is now we watched what happened in this instance in Ohio, and we see the dismantling of, of police departments and defunding. And... You know, you watch, and I got to tell you something. You know, it's sad because I don't think cops are ever going to want to do their jobs again. Now, we have this neighbor across the street who had his own video footage, and it's it's so damning because you can actually hear the girl on tape, I'm going to stab you. She says it just as she's doing it. as she's Again, she's loaded up. You can see clear as day, knife in hand, about to be thrust into this girl's neck, chest, wherever. And it, it, it's, it's simple. To, if you hit the, the right area, there's no saving that person. There's no, you can't get paramedics there safe enough, to, or it, the damage is so great, you can't save that person. Monday in Ohio, a 13-year-old stabbed another 13-year-old. But the video clear, and, and that 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 in that case, the person died. Makia Bryant, sure it's sad. She shouldn't have been trying to stab her friend, and saying it, "I'm going to stab you." In that case, I talk a lot about non-lethal police options, and there's no non-lethal option available for the cops there. He acted in, in incredible speed and in incredible pro- professionalism, and he saved the unarmed girl pinned to the car that was about to die. And then in comes LeBron James and the liberal left and the crazy madness begins again. We'll continue. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. Thanks, Scott Shannon, and thanks to all of you. You make this show possible. We never forget that. Um, Biden White House considers raising the capital gains tax to nearly 44%. Are you kidding me? 12 states urging Biden to ban gas and diesel cars by 2035. Uh, how about the American people decide? I mean, it's it's really unbelievable. By, by the way, Biden gaffed it up again, this time about uh, a saloon. Uh, 
wasn't quite sure when he was given a, a, a coronavirus update. Biden announced 200 million shots had been given and the American Rescue Plan was going to cover a paid leave tax credit to get the vaccine. And, and Biden, of course, then calls on employees getting the vaccine. They may need time off, et cetera, et cetera, if an employee has a reaction to it. No working American should suffer because they did their patriotic duty. Well, does that imply that if people making a private medical decision based on their private personal medical condition in consultation with their private medical doctor and they don't decide the way Joe is are we saying that's unpatriotic? Maybe there are reasons you don't know. Do we not, do we not believe in medical privacy anymore in this country? Everybody's like, wants to know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you, gonna do? you know, vaccine shaming people that are wearing masks that are socially distancing that make a decision based on things you might not what maybe they never told anybody they have the antibodies. And even when antibody levels go low, you still usually have the T cell antibodies, according to the doctors that we have interviewed on this program, many of them, and that they would recognize. Then you got the whole issue of variants showing up. And for some, there's, you know, we time will tell it's too early if the vaccine is going to work on every variant the same way. Early indications are it is. Follow the science, but you need time. Clinical trials, the things they said you need for hydroxychloroquine, which we now have and nobody wants to ever talk about because it didn't come out. The ones that said it was dangerous, yeah, those have all been rescinded. But now all that, starting with the, the Henry Ford Hospital study and, and many others, oh, you increase greatly. Taken early has an effect of mitigating some of the some of the symptoms. Am I a doctor? Nope. I just read it. I have no idea. That's why I'm urging all of you. My advice is you've got to do your own research. You've got to as much as you can handle. Read, read, read. Seek out all differing viewpoints. Then meet with your doctor or doctors or people you know in the medical community that you trust and rely on and have confidence in, and don't hesitate to ask them questions about any concerns you have or any personal medical conditions that you might have and and possible interactions, et cetera. You know, there was one thing I read recently, I think it was the CDC, one of, I forget where, it seems to be, that's how it read, okay to take the, to get vaccinated during pregnancy. Now, if 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 somebody I knew was pregnant, I'd say you got to talk to your doctor. Make sure. Then look at the medical research that's available, and then make your decision. And you don't have to tell anybody what you decide either. Why does somebody have to tell what we do, what people personal decisions on these things? I don't understand that part. Um, and I don't think people should be shamed. Vaccination shaming should go on, and medical privacy needs to remain private. You know, that's why I'm against these these vaccine passports. Are you have you ever been a carrier of the coronavirus? I mean, it's it's madness. Most people are already making their choice. And you can see by the numbers of people that have taken the vaccine. That most people are deciding to take it. I know plenty of people that have made other the other decision. It's not my place. I'm not a doctor to tell people what to do. Just I try to give information as it becomes available to me and pass it on. 
I am not an anti-vaxxer at all. I'm very pro-medical science, actually. The science behind the two, uh, the Pfizer-Moderna vaccine and that of Johnson & Johnson fascinates me. The Johnson & Johnson vaccine is a more classic style type of of vaccination. Builds up antibodies. And then you've got the new technology that we've gone over as it relates to Pfizer-Moderna. And I just hope everyone takes the time to, to research it, talk to smart people that do this for a living. And, and then you'll make your ultimate decision in consultation with your doctors. Biden's attorney general set to meet with law enforcement groups this afternoon. Okay. Black Lives Matter's protesters. Uh, we told you what happened at the Oklahoma State Capitol yesterday. There's, I didn't see any coverage on that whatsoever. No, no, no. Now, Joe Biden was wearing a mask during the virtual climate summit meeting. Um... I thought he was vaccinated. That's the thing that I'm having a hard time understanding. If you are vaccinated at that point, do you, do you still have to, why, why are we being told to still wear the mask after, again, after the, the full vaccination is in effect? I think people deserve some specific answers on that. Maybe the great Dr. Fauci has been wrong more often than he would like to hear or admit can tell us. Demand for the COVID vaccine, by the way, the Epic Times reported that at its plunged after the Biden administration brought up the issue of safety concerns as a YouGov survey underway when the suspension of the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. This affected women 18 to 48. It was first six. I think the number is now eight. And it had to do with blood clotting issues. One person had died. One person was in critical condition. That was the last update I've seen on it. Before the announcement of the vaccination pause, 52% of adults surveyed considered the shot very safe, somewhat safe. After the announcement, only 37% called the vaccine safe. 39% said it was unsafe. Uh, Donald Trump has said he's highly recommending people get it also. But again, you make your own personal decision. An informed, educated decision in consultation with the medical professionals in your life, your doctors, the people that you trust. That's how you should make a decision on something like this. Supply of coronavirus vaccine is now outpacing demand some places around the country, are finding there's little interest in getting the shot. They're even turning down shipments of it. The CDC is looking into whether masks are necessary outside uh, even that we're talking about vaccinated people. Uh, the New York Times is now admitting outdoor mask use doesn't make sense. Even they've caught up. Are masks necessary is the headline. And it goes on to say there are few, if any, documented cases of brief outdoor interactions leading to COVID transmission. If you're passing other people on the sidewalk or sitting near them on a park bench, the exposure of exhaled particles appears to be too small to lead to infection. That's not me. That is the New York Times. Alex uh, Berenson, who's been a harsh critic uh, of the vaccination issue, he says there's no evidence of outdoor transmission and there hasn't been for a year. And the Chinese looked at this more than a year ago. He said he tweeted a study that they'd put out that was basically the first and last word on it. They found almost no outdoor transmission, which would explain why Florida did so much better than all these other states. Um, 
take these masks off my child. I showed this last night. Parents have had it. You know, the one good thing that I can say is that, and I say this as an older person, I'd much rather this impact me than my kids. You know, if you go back to the swine flu, that tended to impact, and this is why the study of viruses, I mean, this is a, a lifelong passion for people, medical researchers. And then virus variants and mutations and all things that are predictable, they knew all this would happen. But anyway, the... Um, they, they work hard every day, and this is what they do. Uh, I see that uh, Whitless Whitmer, the Michigan governor, lied about her travels before Florida before Florida trip was revealed. Remember, her husband was out there on the boat after she told people in Michigan they couldn't go boating. That didn't stop her husband. Anyway, last week, Whitmer joined Michigan uh, on their po- uh, podcast, and she was asked by the reporter if she was able to take any days off for spring break or over the past year during the COVID-19 pandemic, she responded that she was here in town the whole time during spring break and that the last trip that she had taken was to Israel, an official on official business. But then Whitmer admitted, had to admit earlier this week, oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> I traveled to Florida in March, despite cautioning Michigan residents against traveling outside of the state. Here in town the whole time. Guess Michigan now, you know, they have now expanded to take on Florida as new territory for Michigan. It's maddening because a lot of these same people would accuse me of not having family values if I didn't show up when a family member needed some help, right? It was a two-day trip. I wasn't out partying in Miami. It was certainly not spring break. (laughs) She's on the defensive. Michigan Republican Party Communications director said the issue is not that Governor Whitmer Whitmer visited her father. It's that she lied about it and continues to hide key facts. And it's hypocritical as the people of Michigan were denied the same opportunity through her rules that lock people from visiting their loved ones in hospitals and nursing homes. It's actually called a good point. Whoopsie daisy. And hence the world that we now live in. Biden is telling unvaccinated Americans they may have to cancel the 4th of July. Well, okay. How do you cancel the 4th of July? I, I just think everybody now knows we, you know, sometimes we don't give the public enough credit. The American people are smart. And we do. We make electoral mistakes occasionally. Yeah, we do. Every time America lurches left, they realize the mistake and they go right back to being conservative again, which I think is going to start happening if everybody if we, number one, bring these four issues that I brought up earlier about elections to the forefront, voter ID, ch- custody of uh, chain of custody issues, partisan observers, the right to observe and signature verification. And you'll have confidence in your elections. It's not that hard. It really isn't. Um, there's some interesting data as it relates to. The police in America, Rasmussen, 63% of Americans say the left's anti-cop rhetoric is posing a direct threat to public safety. I don't disagree with that. Neighbor with this footage of Micaiah Bryant, the video doesn't lie. Guy's name is Donovan uh, Brinson. He was on with uh, Harris Faulkner on Fox News yesterday. And he he had incredible footage to help the police. And after reviewing the video, he thinks the officer reacted with what he thought was his best judgment. He didn't have very long. He said the video doesn't lie. And he's right about that. 
a Columbus officer um, who saved this unarmed girl's life uh, is 23 years old, on the force 16 months, but he's a pistol marksman and, and part of the guard. Nancy Grace said if Micaiah Bryan called 911 before Columbus police shooting, that changes everything. Micaiah Bryan's mother claims her daughter initially summoned officers, but she's on tape now saying that she wants to stab this girl and is loaded with the knife in hand about to thrust it into this girl. So sad. So much violence. You know, we do know how to stop violence in cities. And murder and bring the murder rates down drastically, dramatically. Rudy Giuliani, you may not like his politics, but he did it. He got it done. Now Ohio State, their university students are demanding that schools sever ties with Columbus police. Okay. What was the cop supposed to do? And what if it was your best friend? I'd ask every student. I'd ask LeBron James. What if it was your daughter? God forbid we don't want to see kids being stabbed to death. I don't want to read the statistics every Monday, how many people are shot in every big city run by Democrats into the ground for decades. How many shot? How many shot and killed? I don't want to read over 100 cops this year killed in the line of duty already. Most of them shot and killed. What do you do differently? If it's your daughter and it's literally a second away from a knife being loaded and thrust into her body with a very high potential of death, what do you want the cop to do? I'd ask the students at Ohio State. I'd ask LeBron James. What do you want him to do? Tell us. By the way, U.S. and Mexico extend the COVID travel restrictions. I thought travel bans were xenophobic and hysterical and racist. One Texas border county declared a disaster and is now... Asking, actually, they're suing Biden for exempting border crossers from coronavirus rules. That's a smart lawsuit. That will be successful. The Rio border sector chief, high-speed pursuits are up 117%. Sex offender arrests up over 2,000%. Yeah, that open borders, getting rid of stay in Mexico policy, stop building the wall, bringing back catch and release is really working out well, isn't it? 800-941-SEAN, our number. Kristen Simina, Cinema rather, is uh, joining John Cornyn. She's showing some interesting positions on issues because I think she understands immigration is a big deal to the people of Arizona. It's impacting them, their daily life now. But we'll see what the so-called Bipartisan Border Solutions Act has in it. You always got to read the fine print. Quick break. We'll come back. We'll get to your calls. Lindsey Graham, uh, James O'Keefe. And where do you meet the lieutenant governor of North Carolina? He did. He was a rock star yesterday before a Senate subcommittee, uh, House subcommittee. At hour two, Sean Hannity show toll free. Our number is 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of this program, we have gone over what is the single most largest, biggest attempted power grab ever in the history of this country. Now, the latest attempt is by the Democrats. If you talk about Being against D.C. statehood, they wouldn't need a constitutional amendment, uh, my interpretation. Uh, But if you talk about it, you're racist. The Georgia law that is far more open and far less restrictive than Delaware's law. Well, that's that's Jim Crow 2.0. 
Uh, if you talk about police issues, even though many cities now have majority minority police forces, the, the, every police officer is racist. And it's it's now the uh, almost on every topic it comes up. Uh, here's the here, for example, listen to some recent comments on D.C. statehood. I said yesterday when I was here, because Denny was talking about his history of how long he was going back, and this one, this I, how far they went back on this issue, and I said this District of Columbia statehood is in my DNA. Everybody talks about how long they've been working on it. DNA, District of Columbia statehood. Put simply, if you oppose D.C. statehood, you support taxation without representation. You hear me? If you oppose D.C. statehood, then you support taxation without representation. In opposing D.C. statehood, which is overwhelmingly supported by the people of Washington, these representatives and their dark money backers over the Heritage Foundation, that's right, are telling over 700,000 Americans to sit down, shut up, and enjoy this authoritarian system implemented by a bunch of elites who thought it was okay to enslave people for their selfish monetary gain hundreds of years ago. It is shameful that anyone would claim to support democracy and freedom and oppose statehood. All right. Joining us now is the junior senator from the state of South Carolina. I'm kidding. Actually, the senior senator. Although I, we tell Tim Scott all the time that he's the senior senator from South Carolina when he's on the program. Senator Lindsey Graham is with us. Uh, senator, before I get to the serious issues. So let me get this straight. So you have on your website a contest going on to play golf with you and with president trump all i can say is that's the that's the serious topic so yes the first <laughs> annual trump graham golf classic at palm beach florida at trump's golf club uh we're raffling off a spot in the tournament we're charging twenty five thousand dollars per player but we're going to raffle it off so get online, lindsaygram.com, make a donation, five or ten bucks, put your name in the hat. Next Tuesday we're gonna we're gonna draw a name and the winner will get an all expense paid trip to go to Palm Beach, Florida to play in the first annual Trump Graham Golf Classic. You'll have uh breakfast, lunch around the golf and you'll get entertained by me and informed by President Trump. About as good as it gets, Lindsey Graham. Yeah, I, you know, I got to be honest. I was very intrigued. Uh, you know, uh, I've been so busy work-wise for the last five years. You know, I used to play a little golf. I haven't had time. Um, and people say, you got to make time for that stuff. I'm like, I don't have time for that stuff. But uh, um, anyway, it sounds like a fun, de- fun day, a great deal, great opportunity for people. I, mean, I, I bet a lot of people are going to sign up for that. <laughs> Well, I hope so. I mean, you know, the money, Sean, is going to go to help take back the House and the Senate, because the next topic is, how do you stop all this crazy crap? Well, uh, the, the Senate's the last line of defense until the 2022 election. We should take back the House. If we take back the House in 2022, that stops this crazy stuff. If we can gain one more seat in the United States Senate, that that's a check and balance against the crazy stuff we're about to talk about. So the money for this tournament, lindsaygram.com, put your name in the hat. We're going to probably we're trying to raise a million dollars, and we're going to split the money with the NRSC, President Trump's back. My campaign. I'm going to help every Republican on the ballot that I can that I can help, and uh, that's the way you stop this thing: is take back the House and the Senate. Well, that's One the thing. Those. I mean, a lot of the money I know that you out of your campaign. Like, I don't know what you call. A, I don't know if it's a pack, whatever you call the thing. Yeah. Um, you you for example donated a lot of money to the Georgia runoff races, right? 
Yeah, three million. Uh, yeah, uh, several million dollars. They gave five hundred thousand to President Trump uh, to deal with his legal battles, and uh, I'm going to give money to the National Republican Senatorial Committee. The money I'm raising today is going to, you know, help my campaign, but my campaign is going to help others. Save America Pack. That's President Trump's pack. Uh, uh, they will get part of the money here. And this raffle, I think, is an interesting idea. We were sitting around talking about, you know, opportunities like this. You know, just put your name in the hat. You know, average, every, average everyday conservative, hardworking folks, uh, put your name in the hat. If you win, you're going to get a prepaid trip to, to Florida. But the main thing is you're helping the cause. And, and, and by the way, Trump it doesn't is, have to be a big donation to play in the tournament. No, it costs, no, no. It costs some money. That's but right. if... Just, just but if you want a chance to win, yeah. oh, whatever you can give you, you get a, you, your name's put in a hat. Okay, understand. Yeah, yeah, um, that, that's right. And so President Trump has got working people involved in the Republican Party. The blue-collar working folks uh, love President Trump, and this is our chance to give everybody a chance to come to Florida and play golf. I saw that Senator Scott, We, I'm very fond of Senator Scott. And he, by the way, he's very oh, fond of you, too. I know you guys get along he's great. Wonderful man, wonderful man. He really is, and I see that he is giving the response to, I, I don't even know if they're calling it a State of the Union, but a joint session of Congress, uh, which I think is great. Um, I think he's a, a star for the what I would want to see as the new Republican Party, based on the Make America Great Again, uh, Again agenda, America First agenda. Uh, the things that we know work because they worked when Donald Trump for the first three years of his presidency prior to the pandemic, and they'll work again. Joe Biden has taken this country in a very radical direction. Um, I honestly, I fear for the country. We have a lot of Senate races coming up here. Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, New Hampshire, Ohio, Wisconsin, Arizona, if this is not going to be the bellwether of all bellwethers for 2024, I don't know what would be. People need to understand, okay, we're one election away from losing this country as we know it. But if it turns out well in 2022, we're one election away from the great comeback uh, for President Trump and the Republican Party. The House, we should win. We need eight seats to take it back. Thirteen seats are to our advantage through redistricting. We need to pick up one seat in the Senate. Ron Johnson, if you're listening to Sean Hannity, get off your ass and run. We need to get good candidates in Arizona. Ron Herschel, run in Georgia. John Sununu could. By could the way, win. how great uh, is that? Sure. That Herschel Walker. I had him on the program the other night. He's thinking of running in Georgia. Laura Trump's thinking of running in North Carolina. I mean, that would, that would be huge. Uh, so you know, Laura Trump is uh, just awesome. Very articulate wonderful lady that will be great for the republic herschel is a, a businessman football hero well-grounded sincere humble guy the republican party is expanding did you ever think you'd have a republican primary in california uh with caitlin jenner and rick grinnell you know rick grinnell was first openly gay cabinet member caitlin jenner probably the most famous trans person in, in the world maybe Running as Republicans. Hell, this is good stuff. Uh, we're, I'm into winning, Sean. You're into winning. Here's what happens if you lose. D.C.'s going to become a state. The court's going to get packed. They're going to do an electoral college. They're going to nationalize the way we vote. And uh, Republicans will be shut out forever. So we can stop all this if we, if we win in 2022. 
So Jamie Harrison is the DNC chair tweeting out, uh, and I will take great joy responding to the falsehoods and the hypocrisy that I'm sure we will hear. In, in He's saying this about our friend, Senator Tim Scott. Hey, Jamie, saw your uh, receipt spending $132 million and losing to Lindsey Graham, <laughs> South Carolina, about 10-plus points. Seems a, a little high, don't you think? I was like, ouch. Well, I just hope he does for the Democratic Party what he did for me. <laughs> yeah. There's another candidate that I'm very interested in. I'm just getting to know her. And uh, her name is Kathy Barnett. She's, she, it looks like she's going to run in Pennsylvania for the Senate. We had her on this program. And, and you're, look, you're a pro. You do TV. So too many of your fellow senators are too wimpy. They don't want to come on the shows. They're afraid. <laughs> and I will tell you this. So she comes on the show. I think I asked her on this radio show one question, and she took the whole half hour and kept me interested, and I got ADHD. Well, number one, if you're on your show, you better get as much in as you can from that first question because you talk a lot. So here's what I would say. She was awesome, Sean. She took it and ran, and your test is the best test. If you're still interested, let people talk. If they're losing you, they're probably losing your uh, audience. There's another African-American uh, lady I spoke with, uh, teaches at Carnegie Mellon, uh, Ronald Reagan disciple, worked for George Schultz, uh, Newt Gingrich, thinking about running in Pennsylvania. Donald Trump has opened this party up unlike anybody in my lifetime, and this is a good thing. You know, I want I, I now see a reconfiguration happening, especially – had the had we not had the pandemic, think about this. President Trump would have run on record low after record low unemployment, African Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, women in the workplace, youth unemployment, African American youth unemployment. I mean, he shattered a record a week on low unemployment numbers. It was incredible. And that can be duplicated. Let the Democrats be the, the party of this of this, you know, coastal elites. Let the Republican Party be the party of working men and women and liberty and freedom and secure borders and energy independence and constitutionalists on the court and the First and Second Amendment and low taxes, less bureaucracy and uh, free and fair trade and, and peace through strength. That, that, that agenda works, Lindsay. And, and, and go into the inner cities and say we're going to fix your schools and we're going to bring back law and order. So let's talk about Tim Scott, our buddy. Tim Scott uh, uh, had his own business. Uh, Tim Scott is as nice as he seems in, in private. Uh, he he is a one, he could he's a transformative figure for the Republican Party. He created opportunity zones, working with Democrats instead of a bunch of government money going into the inner cities and rural poor areas. Create tax incentives to get business to come, to hire young people, give them something to aspire to. So here's the coalition of the future of the Republican Party. Working men and women, blue-collar Reagan Democrats, believe that Donald Trump and the Republican Party is on their side. Uh, Hispanic and African-American families are entrepreneurial to the core. They want to live a, give a better life for their children, conservatives. African-American, Hispanic folks that go to church, believe like we do on the social issues, and just looking to get ahead through opportunity, not a handout. Uh, and young people who are looking to create a business, how are they going to survive in this regulated, high-tax environment? Young people wanting to get out of the mother and father's basement. That's the future of the Republican Party. It's a coalition 
that I think will stand the test of time, and 2022 is when we put this together. Quick break. We'll come back on the other side with Senator Lindsey Graham. James O'Keefe will join us, update us on his defamation lawsuit against Twitter, one coming for CNN and his New York Times, a huge win against them in the New York Supreme Court. Straight ahead. And as we continue with Senator Lindsey Graham, you know, I'll tell you, I don't think there's going to be a more important election in our lifetime. I really don't. And you're right about Senator Scott. We did some research. Actually, Linda had sent this to me about about him. You know, the introduction of these two bills uh, in response to the the Wyden-Clyburn bill that would hurt low-income communities, you know, limiting opportunity zones. And Senator Scott said, this is the second misguided attempt by congressional Democrats in the last two weeks to wreck the Opportunity Zone initiative under the guise of improvement. Make no mistake, Congressman Clyburn's legislation, which is very similar to a bill introduced by Senator Wyden, will needlessly punish low-income communities who are hoping to use Opportunity Zones to transform areas left behind. And he said estimates are as high as $63 billion can already be expected to be utilized in these zones in this country, which, by the way, these are zones across the country with a poverty rate averaging 30% in the 8,700 zones in the country. So not only are they afraid of this because it will break the stranglehold they have where you become dependent on government. So what Tim's come up with is to allow the governor of each state to create opportunity zones, not some bureaucrat in Washington, and money will flow into these areas. There will be tax advantages to create business. But we want to take it to the next level. A lot of these schools in these uh, urban, poor, and rural areas are, are underperforming, so we want to create opportunity scholarships to give uh, people living in these areas a chance to educate their kids. So liberal Democrats are afraid of school choice. And liberal Democrats are afraid of opportunity zones because it will show people in rural and urban poor areas there's a better way than than the government way. And Tim is leading on both of those issues. That's why they're trying to kill these ideas in the cradle. And that's why they're afraid of Tim Scott appearing after Joe Biden because Tim will offer a better way. I think for America versus what Joe Biden's offering. All right, we got to run. Uh, Lynn, oh, so right. if people want to, if you donate anything, even a buck, I guess you can get a chance yeah, to win no, to play no, golf with you and Trump. Can. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, lindsaygram.com. It'll pop up to tell you how to put your name right. in, the, in, in the pot. I will draw next Tuesday. A small donation will help the cause. And uh, maybe I hope, pray you get to come to Florida and play golf with President Trump. You'll get to see a good golfer and President so the Trump, only... and you'll get to meet, and you'll get to meet me. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should make myself part of that. That whatever. So I'm sure I'll get. I'm sure I'll get excoriated by the mob in the media. Hannity's doing a fundraiser. I'm like, I'll go jump in a lake. All right, thank you, sir. Eight hundred nine four one. Sean is our number. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. concern for our country, always honoring our servicemen and servicewomen, and standing up for liberty every day. 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. First, I want to give you an update 
Uh, we had that blockbuster reveal by Project Veritas and its founder, James O'Keefe, and CEO, James O'Keefe. Uh, remember, they won this big, big Supreme Court of New York suit that allows discovery in their lawsuit against the New York Times. That is now moving forward. He's announced now that there'll be a suit against fake news CNN. CNN was exposed big time by Project Veritas last week. Oh, we're a political organization. Yeah, our job was to get rid of Trump. Yeah, our job was to use COVID as much as possible to scare the hell out of people uh, to get ratings up. I mean, the most insane things that that they had one of their directors saying. Uh, Now, James O'Keefe is also saying he made promise and he announced he's joining with an update. He has a defamation suit against at Jack at Twitter. Before we get to that, they actually Project Veritas was able to get to Humpty Dumpty, uh, who is Jeff Zucker, Mr. Potato Head's stenographer. And uh, here's what happened when they met up with Humpty. You need to leave. Do you want them? Okay, Mr. Stelter, do you have any other comment on, sure. on Charlie Chester? Sure. You have to walk out. This is a journalist with Project Veritas trying to get comments from Brian Stelter on our recent release from Charlie Chester in the propaganda and COVID numbers to stoke uh, fear into the American people. Coming to you from New York City. All right, Project Veritas CEO founder James O'Keefe has an update. Yeah, it looks like Humpty didn't want to comment. And I don't think anybody at any time ever addressed publicly the expose where you just expose them as being nothing but a, a propaganda political, the political arm of the Democratic Socialist Party. Well, well, Sean, thank you for having me on again. And no, they haven't uttered a word about the expose. Uh, they haven't said one word. Uh, we have it on information that this Manchester has been fired, but I have not been able to get audio visual confirmation of that. And Sean, you know, as you, as your audience knows, Twitter took down my Twitter feed on Thursday afternoon after just right after we released the Black Lives Matter tape showing the director Chester uh, saying that they help Black Lives Matter, they want to help Black Lives Matter. So it was just too devastating an expose. And uh, and now we've just launched the lawsuit against Twitter in the Supreme Court of the state of New York. We are going after Twitter for defamation. And if you think that I'm bluffing, we've already defeated the New York Times on motion to dismiss in New York State. We're going towards depositions in that litigation. So we're successful in how we do this. We have to get them under oath because it seems the only time they tell the truth is when they're under oath. Can I ask one legal question? Why did you choose New York? Because I would assume I'm not sure where their jurisdiction is. Where is Twitter? Where is Twi- uh, they're Twitter? In, they're in San Francisco. So we figured that we have a better shot in New York State than in the Ninth Circuit of California. Where, I was where shocked that, that you did so well in the New York Supreme Court. I'm not going to lie. Well, and and well, this is I now twice and twice that there's a direct challenge to the New York Times in your case and in Governor Palin's case, you know, the high bar of proving actual malice and reckless disregard. It's a very high bar because of the famous landmark Supreme Court case uh, Times v. Sullivan, New York Times, interestingly, versus Sullivan. So um, I, I, it's, it's going to be amazing. Just the discovery portion alone is a big win for you. Well, I would say that the, 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 the libel laws, you know, in this country, most people settle. Nick Sandman the, settled when he, when he sued the Washington Post. You're all familiar with Nick Sandman, the young man who was defamed with, with, with standing next to the Native American. I don't settle litigation, 
Sean. I, I we we won. So they come to you and offer you a hundred million dollars. You're not going to settle. I would tell them. Excuse me for saying this. I would tell them to go to hell. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't. I. I, I, <laughs> I admire you. I'm just. <laughs> I think most people would probably take the hundred. And I'm sure Nicholas no, Man didn't get paid a small sale. amount of money. I'm not. I'm not for sale. I'm not for. I know. I know. You, I, I'm. I'm totally messing with you. But you know what I'm saying. I understand. But but the reason why I'm being so serious is because this is a big deal to depose under oath on video. New York Times executive editor, uh, Maggie Astor, the reporter, Shu, the individual who said I was, quote, deceptive. Now, Twitter has said, this is on Thursday from their spokesperson, they said, quote, uh, James O'Keefe operated fake accounts, unquote. I've never operated a fake Twitter account in my life. That is a lie. And, and, and uh, in, in the United States, you cannot lie with malice. You cannot intentionally lie. That is an unlawful thing for them to do. This is Twitter incorporated. So, I intend to get past motion to dismiss against Twitter and depose uh, the CEO of Twitter, Jack Dorsey, under oath on video and release the video for all the world to see. Well, I do applaud you uh, on the serious note. This is this is really significant because it's really serious what's happening. Um, I have talked about since 2007 journalism in America is dead. The three networks. Then you've got two cable channels. Uh, fake news, CNN, MSDNC. Uh, then you've got the New York Toilet Paper Times. And I, I'm watching this closely for my own selfish personal reasons, both your case and Governor Palin's case, because I honestly, I, I, I felt that the bar is so ridiculously high um, and shouldn't be that high uh, from the Times v. Sullivan case that I didn't, I, I did not see this as a successful effort. I mean, they pretty much accused me of killing people. A couple of times, not just once, you know, and I'm sick and tired of taking it like you are. And but I, you know, everyone has choices to make in life. And I know that I want to devote my time, my attention, 100 percent of it to doing the best show I can do every day. And I know you'd rather devote your time and attention doing to the, you know, to the great work you guys are doing a project Veritas. But on the other hand, these are important issues. Look at how everyone's been canceled off of Twitter. You know, look, look at what they did with big tech companies in this last election protecting Joe Biden and wouldn't even allow the New York Post story to be posted or printed, canceling the president of the United States because they don't like what he's saying. And now it's getting so out of hand. I don't think it could be any more timely than it is now. And I do fully support the efforts uh, that you're involved in here. And if you're able to Now that you're able to successfully pull it off with the New York Times, I would assume that the door is open for CNN and Twitter. And the fact that you're going to take this all the way as far as you possibly can, I think, is good news for everybody. And maybe there might be one day a landmark case that overturns Times v. Sullivan and we have a whole new standard where they can stop. They can't get away with impunity lying about public figures like us. Well, I think I think, Sean, I believe there's only been eight or so plaintiffs since 1964 that, that have, that is that have it. gotten past this motion to dismiss phase. Correct. And, and, and you know, I think that you, the critical thing which you touched upon is the fact that you get to video depose them under oath. Can you imagine what they might admit? Maybe we'll get them to admit something to the effect of they were destroying emails after we sued them, which they'd be sanctioned for. These are unethical people. They're deceptive people. They said in the first sentence of the article that I was deceptive and a disinformation person. And the judge in New York said, when the New York Times defense to our lawsuit was, 
well, that's just our opinion. And the judge responded to their defense by saying, well, you shouldn't put your opinion in the first sentence of an A section New York Times article. So I, I don't know what other recourse that I have. And the great thing about litigation, which I'm learning, is that like undercover work, it, it the discovery of the lawsuit, of the libel lawsuit, and we and, and this will happen, Sean. It's 100% bound to happen. We got past motion to dismiss. You're going to have the depositions come September, October. This will become very real for people. And maybe it's the only thing that's going to deter them from lying about people. It's disgraceful. I've had hundreds of people reach out to me in the last week, and they say, well, I was going to sue, but I don't have the money. I don't have the resources. So I think we speak. It's and we very, very expensive. Here. Listen, I, I totally admire what you're doing, support what you're doing, support what Governor Palin is doing. James O'Keefe, appreciate you being with us. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Patrick in Arizona, we start with you, sir. How are you? Glad you called. Uh, I'm doing better than I deserve. Oh, well, I kind of feel the same way. What's on your mind? So my question has to do with uh, the Democrats and specifically the communist members of the squad, right? Okay. So any entity, a business, a team, a radio show, a church, a political group, anything, they have to have a goal, mission statement, a purpose, some measure of success for the organization, right? Okay. So my, my question is... And I think uh, Mr. Horowitz kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but Sean, what what is the goal of the squad? What what are they trying to accomplish with the defunding the police? What is the what is the end goal, and what does that world look like that we would all have to live in? If we already know that the goal is put very straightforward. The goal is the the outline known as the Green New Deal authoritarianism, statism, socialism, redistributionism, and and the most radical agenda ever put forward. Now, they happen to have the most power in Congress. Nancy yeah. Pelosi is beholden to the squad. The squad decides she's, she's no longer the speaker. She's out. Chuck Schumer, scared to death, AOC will run against her. Joe Biden is, I don't, I don't even think he knows what day of the week it is. He's just signing whatever they put in front of him and reading whatever they write for him. Yeah. So it, right. it's and the, the entire agenda of the de- modern Democratic Party is the squad's agenda. The, the agenda is packing the courts, getting rid of the legislative filibuster. No voter ID at all. No signature verification in elections at all. H.R. 1, S.R. 1, D.C., Puerto Rico statehood, because Democrats believe that gives them power and perpetuity and a, and a permanent Senate majority. Open borders, amnesty. Uh, the biggest tax increase in over three decades, uh, blue state bailouts, uh, union bailouts, teacher bailouts, Green New Deal-ism, the, the $10 trillion that, and, and all the associated radical policies with it. So, you know, the answer is pretty transparent. This, they're, they're telling you what they want to do. This will result. Do you think people are, are people hearing that message? Do the middle-of-the-road Democrats that work hard every day, they just lean a different direction than us. They can't be going along with this, right? At some the point, it's Jackson to, Democrats, the, the, the old, more conservative Democrats are pretty much extinct. You know, I guess the closest you get to it is Joe Manchin. Okay. That's about as close as you'll get. And he wobbles and he wiggles and he vacillates and they put pressure on him and he often caves. So we'll see what happens. But 
Uh, what I do think is going to happen is I think the American people are watching this radicalism. They Joe flat out denied he would pack the courts, flat out denied he would go against the legislative filibuster. But he did put forward the Biden Bernie manifesto. And I think what's yeah. going to happen is they've so overreached and continue to overreach that there will be a backlash and it will be a massive political earthquake starting in 2022. That'll only happen if people like yourself, I keep saying everybody is a spoke in the wheel, including me. I'm just a spoke. You're a spoke. If yeah. everybody sees that what is at stake here that believes in our Constitution, that believes in liberty and freedom, that believes in law and order and safety and security and believes in in choice for public schools and constitutionalists on the bench and don't want to pack the courts. Those that believe in law and order and legal immigration, those that believe in energy independence, those that believe in peace through strength and don't want to gut our military, those that support free and fair trade, uh, free market options, solutions for health care, but that will protect pre-existing conditions. Those Americans now are watching this. And now they they are seeing very clear. I think buyer's remorse for many yep. people will be severe. And I think it starts in 2022, but it's really got to start now. Because if we don't change, if we don't ensure that every state has voter ID laws, if every state doesn't have signature identification, if every state doesn't demand chain of custody uh, as it relates to ballots, if every state doesn't allow partisan observers to observe the vote count, then as far as I'm concerned, there'll never be integrity or confidence in any election result. So these things need to be fixed now. State legislatures need to move and state and every senator, Republican senator, needs to stand up and walk out the moment Democrats try to push SR1 or pack the courts. They need to unite. Now, do I have faith, hope and confidence in 50 Republicans? I, I don't really have a lot of faith in Mitt Romney or Ben Sass, the jackass, or or Lisa Murkowski. I just don't have a lot of faith in them. But we'll have to wait and see. But there's a lot at stake. You know, I wrote a book before the election. I hadn't written a book in 10 years. I did it because I, I felt a sense of urgency of this moment. Live free or die, America and the world on the brink. Well, now we're at the on the brink part. Now, on the brink means you can save it, but we're on the brink. And everybody better understand what the consequences are, or the United States of America, the great constitutional republic as we know it, will be far worse than what the great one, Mark Levin, says is a post-constitutional America. That will pass. Coming up next, our final news roundup and information overload hour. All right, News Roundup Information Overload Hour. We'll get to your calls, final half hour of the program today, and even in this half hour, perhaps. Um, so, uh, in North Carolina, the first African-American lieutenant governor, he went to Congress at a House hearing, and he lit him up. I mean, it was, it was an amazing moment, uh, an amazing speech regarding voting rights. It was before the House uh, Judiciary Subcommittee addressing these claims by the left that voter ID is racist as you know Joe Biden's been claiming well this is Jim Crow 2.0 in his state of Delaware 500 years he's represented that state he's never once reformed uh, made more accessible the voting laws in his state of Delaware or as he once said my state's a slave state but Joe Biden is out there criticizing Georgia voting uh, the new Georgia voting law 17 days of early in-person voting in Delaware, zero, zero. Uh, 
you need an excuse to get an absentee ballot in in Delaware, not Georgia. Every single precinct in Georgia has a drop box and both states require voter ID. And he, you know, how dare he play the race card the way he's been doing it? And he's done it three times now that we've counted. Anyway, so this is the lieutenant governor. Mark Robinson is his name. We'll meet him in a second of uh, North Carolina before this subcommittee. Today, we hear Georgia law being compared to Jim Crow. The black voices are being silenced and the black voices are being kept out. How? By bullets? By bombs? By nooses? No. By requiring a free ID to secure the vote. Let me say that again. By requiring a free ID to secure the vote. How absolutely preposterous. Am I to believe that black Americans who have overcome the atrocities of slavery, who were victorious in the civil rights movement, and now sit in the highest levels of this government cannot figure out how to get a free ID to secure their votes? That they need to be coddled by politicians because they don't think we can figure out how to make our voices heard. Are you kidding me? The notion that black people must be protected from a free ID to secure their votes is not just insane, it is insulting. Just a few days ago, excuse me, uh, uh, and let me tell you something about this. This doesn't have anything to do with justice. This has everything to do with power. Wow. Anyway, joining us now, the lieutenant governor, the great state of North Carolina, by the way, the first African-American lieutenant governor of, of that great state. Sir, it's an honor to have you on the program. How come we, where have you been? Why have I not, why have you not been on our radar yet and as a guest often? Well, there's been a couple of times, and I think uh, some things uh, jumped in front of us, some bigger news stories jumped in front of us, but I'm honored to be here uh, for this first time, and I hope to be back again at some point. Well, I love North Carolina. I have a lot of friends down there, um, as you may know. And, uh, you know, I watched this moment, and I was so grateful to you for, for sharing that. Now, I just gave the comparison of Georgia their new voting law versus the restrictive laws in states like Delaware and states like New York. And it's far less restrictive in Georgia. And it's far more accessible in Georgia. At the end of the day, when Joe Biden, who's represented this state of his for 500 years, something like that, he's about 500 years old, um, makes that statement, that incendiary Jim Crow 2.0, like he once said, they're going to put you all back in chains and you ain't black. And the same guy, interestingly, that even partnered with a former Klansman to stop the integration of schools and school busing. That would be Robert Byrd, who we praised, a former Klansman, and didn't want our schools to become racial jungles. We're going to get lectured by him and he's going to, with his restrictive state laws on voting? Absolutely. You know, when you think of Joe Biden, when you think of the left, one word comes to mind every time, and that is hypocrisy. They are experts on hypocrisy, uh, whether it be the racial jungle comment or the, we're gonna, they're going to put y'all back in chains or you ain't black comment. Joe Biden's political career is rife not just with making racist statements, but fighting for racist policies. And how dare this man now stand like he's, he's, he's forgotten that and claim to be this justice, this uh champion for racial justice he is anything but and that needs to be pointed out and uh while i'm talking on that subject as well i think there were many people that were speaking during that hearing yesterday who were quite irritated by what i said and nothing could make me uh feel uh, warm deep down inside but because of it 
You know, I, I love the, the strong local leaders and states that go to Washington and, and do exactly what you did. Because you, it's kind of how I feel about many people in Washington, the swamp, the sewer. I don't respect them. I don't think a lot of them are honorable. I don't think they're consistent. You mentioned the word hypocrisy. You're, sir, you're 100% right. And it reeks with hypocrisy. And they, they, it's so many get, get caught up in, in the quicksand of that swamp, and it's so despicable. Then in comes, you know, here you are, the lieutenant governor of North Carolina, and you don't care. You're going to tell them the truth, whether they want to hear it or not. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you did it. Well, you know, it's just another one of those things that I think points out to what we really need to start doing in this country. You know, these guys that go to Washington, D.C., and I told them this yesterday, they sit up high and they look low. They think they know better than us. They think they know what's right for our states, what's right for the people. Um, it is time for us to stand up and push back against the federal government. The federal government has stepped out of its bounds. It did it decades ago, and they continue to do it uh, at an increasingly alarming rate. You know, there was one time I was having a conversation with someone, and I, I told them, I said, you know that annoying coworker at work who's never on task, who's always behind in his own work, who never knows what's going on at his own desk, but he's always at somebody else's business, always at somebody else's desk, and always trying to take someone else's job, that is the federal government. That is a good description of what they do. They are never on task with what they should be doing, and they're always trying to take over things they shouldn't be. We see it all the time. We see it with education, and now we're seeing it with, with voting rights. That should be left up to and prescribed to the states to carry out. Are there national voting laws that we need to have? Absolutely, yes. But they absolutely that they there should be. But we should not be allowing the federal government to reach in and dictate a, a, a partisan wish list uh, upon the state so for the purposes of trying to keep one party in power. Lieutenant Governor, I think there are four things that every state needs to have so we can have confidence in the results of our elections and integrity in the system. One is voter picture ID, right? You need that to get into the White House, to get into the DNC, to get into the Capitol, to buy a six-pack of beer, to buy a pack of cigarettes, to buy a jewel pod, for crying out loud. All right, that's one. Signature verification is two. We need to have a very rigid standard for chain of custody that that partisan observers be able to watch that, that those ballots and they can't be tampered with. And partisan observers, it's the statutory language in most states, get to watch, really watch, not like this past election year, the vote counting to make sure that people are being honest, hold them accountable. That's right. Anything you would add to That's that? Right. I would add this, too, as well. Oh, well, not necessarily to that list, but this is what I would add to that. I would add this. Yesterday during the hearing, I kept hearing all of this. And these guys, they love to use these, these phrases, you know, Jim Crow 2.0. And there's another one they use, the big lie by Donald Trump. What about the big lie of Russia, Russia, Russia? You know, they were talking about election fraud, and they had not a leg to stand on, and they beat that horse absolutely to death. And, you know, uh, driving home today, uh, I was thinking about this. I said, you know, when you talk about election integrity, it should be done. Not just for what we've seen during the 2020 election with the debacle of mail-in voting and a lot of the other debacles that we saw across the country, but it should also be done to put to bed the specter of things like Russia, 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 and any other speculation that we have. Because of the American voting system, America is the greatest constitutional republic in the world, the greatest nation in the world. We should have the cream of the crop when it comes to uh, elections. There should be absolutely almost no question about the integrity of our, of our election. 
And you are absolutely right. I firmly believe that starts with showing a state-issued photo ID. Let me ask you this. If if Laura Trump, I know her name's been out there. I know McGrory's name's been out there. Um, have you thought about at all running for this open seat in North Carolina for the United States Senate? Because I'd love to see you. If you became a senator from North Carolina, that would be awesome. We did. We we took a very hard look at that seat. Uh, we ran the poll numbers, actually, on that seat, and, it, and they came back very favorable. But ultimately, we decided that what we're doing in North Carolina is going to be far more valuable for the people of our state. Uh, I feel like I'm on a very good track right now. If I continue to do what I'm doing, some of the things that I'm doing, the uh, anti-indoctrination uh, task force that I put together here in North Carolina for our public schools. I'm going to ask a and, favor. Yes. Don't, don't close the door to it. <laughs> I want you. I, I'm serious. Would you please just keep an open mind about it for a little while? Well, I, you know, I've already said no to the Senate. I've already publicly said no to the Senate. But, um, uh, you know, with God, anything's possible. Who knows what may happen down the road? But I've already made a public statement saying I'm, I'm going to stay in North Carolina. Uh, I know there were a lot of folks that wanted me to run for that seat, but I feel like I have obligations here in this state that I need to fulfill. But I certainly appreciate your vote. But you'd be able to serve in a larger capacity. And I think I think people understand that, you know, the right circumstances. I'm not sure who's going to run. I mean, there are good people that are considering it. But I but you would be in my my top three for sure. Easy. Right off the top. I I, I sure appreciate the vote of confidence. But like I said, I think we have decided that we're going to stay put in North Carolina. But, you know, um, it's crazier things that, that that have happened, and it certainly would be crazy if I decided to run for that seat because I have no plans whatsoever to do that right now. Well, it'd be pretty amazing. Um, you know, let me ask you this: Why is it that states like New York, California, you know, if you notice, liberal Democrats they now want to double? I don't know if you've seen this: that Joe Biden's plan for uh, the capital gains tax increase. He wants to take it. From from twenty per twenty three percent to forty three point four percent on top of right. raising the income tax rates dramatically. What right. do you see right. that doing to the economy? Well, of course, it's going to destroy the economy. And it's, of course, it's going to destroy uh, the average American right across the board because they try to say it's going to what's going to destroy the super rich, but we don't ever see that, do we? Their bad policies don't ever destroy the, the Michael Bloomberg's of the world. They don't ever destroy the um, they don't ever, ever uh, destroy the, the Cuomo's of the world. They don't ever destroy the Biden families of the world. They destroy ordinary folks who get up and go to work every day. That's who those policies are destroying. I've said this once, and I've said it a thousand times. The ultimate goal of these socialists is to create a society that is two-layered, elites on the top and everybody else on the bottom. That is their ultimate goal. We have seen it in society after society after society. We cannot tolerate that here in the United States of America. And we have seen these plans literally bring states and cities to their knees. I plan to do everything I can to make sure that North Carolina is not one of those. All right, quick break. More with the lieutenant governor, great state of North Carolina, Mark Robinson. I think we're going to be hearing a lot more from Mark Robinson in the years ahead. Uh, Then we'll get to your phone calls, final half hour on a Friday. And awesome Hannity, 9 Eastern tonight, Fox News. As we continue, Lieutenant Governor from North Carolina, Mark Robinson is with us. You know, it's interesting that states that have elected people like yourself that that support entrepreneurialism and low taxes and, and 
less burdensome government interference on regulations, et cetera. And I'm sh- if I go through the list, I bet you support tax cuts, less regulation. Correct me when I'm wrong. Yep. Uh, border security. Uh, I'm I'm betting you you believe we should be energy independent. Constitutionalists on the bench. I'm betting Absolutely. that you believe in school choice. I'm betting that you believe Absolutely. that every city needs law and order for, and safety and security. Uh, I'm betting that you also believe in free and fair trade and peace through strength. Am I wrong on any of those? You, you are speaking my language on every one of those. Uh, many of those things we talk about North Carolina right now. Well, now I'm going to have a big fight with you because now you have to give me that promise before you hang up today. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not going to take no for an answer. I'm a talk show host. I do this for a living. You're going to have you're gonna have to take no for an answer. I don't know. Like Nobody gets that. You sound like my kids. No, Dad. I'm like, ugh. You're going to have to take no, because I've already told it to people in North Carolina I'm staying here. I'll take a poll. I'll, I'll, I'll pay for a poll. Is it okay if you change your mind? If it comes back favorable, would you would you consider it? No. I, no, I'm not going to change my mind because of a poll. I'm not. I've made the people in North Carolina promise that I'm going to stay right here and fight for them. But again, I... May, see, you saying this problem. makes me like you more. You're not helping your situation by telling me that. <laughs> You're making it worse I've for heard, yourself. Yeah, that's right. I've heard that. I certainly have heard that. <laughs> I, I tell you, North Carolina has done many of the things that you just mentioned, and it has caused us to absolutely turn uh, 180 degrees economically. Uh, uh, I mean, just the things that conservative leadership has done in this state since 2010 when they took over is amazing. And you can see it in states across the country right now that are thriving, that people are happy, uh, businesses are open, they're, you know, folks are moving ahead, they're moving up, building this, uh, construction is taking off, the, the economy is booming on every front, and it's all because we put common sense conservative principles into place. I say it like this, conservative principles build cities states and nations. Leftist ideas destroy them. Well, Lieutenant Governor, great state of North Carolina, Mark Robinson, by the way, just to let you know, I'm not giving up. I don't give up easily. I I, I, I fight for things that I want. And now, you know, you giving me a hard no is not good. Now, you just basically, that's a declaration of war. Anyway, God bless you for what you do. Uh, That was awesome yesterday. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the program and speaking out. Hope you'll come back soon. Thank you. I sure will. Anytime. All right, quick break. Right back. Your calls are next. 800 941 our number. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour. 800 941 is our number. If you want to be a part of the program, uh, we got a great Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern, Fox News, as we continue this unbelievable assault on the police in this country and their inability to do their jobs in spite of all the evidence. And, you know, all these deaths that take place, you don't, we don't hear their names, do we? Why? Why only why only the cases that liberal Democrats that claim they have a monopoly of compassion for minorities and poor people in America? Meanwhile, their policies create more poverty. It creates more dependency. They have not in these big cities and states run by liberal Democrats for decades. They've not lifted a finger to keep their citizens safe and secure. Our fellow Americans safe and secure in their homes in their cities they have the worst school systems as well it's time for a change that's all there is to it uh that's why i want to deputize each and every one of you and realize the time is now to work on ensuring election integrity as we discussed in the last half hour and to elect the right people both on the statewide basis and and we have to have 
Republicans elected to the Senate and take back the House. And then we need a new president in 2024, not Kamala Harris. All right, let's go to, let's see here. Adam is in Texas. Adam, how are you, sir? Glad you called. Hey, hey, Sean, I'm, uh, I'm great. I'm a little disappointed, I got to be honest. Um, some of the information that Kareem yesterday was giving out and Pastor Scott about um, asking police officers to shoot at the extremities and legs of their suspects is just outright ridiculous. Uh, I was a firefighter EMT in California for eight years, and uh, four of which I spent on an ALS unit surrounded by paramedics, and anybody would tell you that a femoral or brachial injury is in the field is something that's going to be very difficult to care for, considering you only have about 90 seconds for the brachial and less than 90 before somebody passes away for the femoral. If you're going to nick it... You're talking about an, if somebody, if you, if you catch an artery in somebody's neck or, or arm or leg, right, or carotid artery, right? Yes, sir. So what basically what he said was in the shoulder and the upper arm, upper leg, buttocks area, you got a spinal column, you got lungs. I mean, it's just basic education of the musculoskeletal system for some that would go a long way. But then if they actually thought it through, Sean, if they thought it through for a second, they would realize that they'd have to spend a whole lot of money training officers to become at least an EMT level. Because what's going to happen with the media mob when they shoot somebody in the leg and then the officer lets them die in the street from a femoral artery wound? You see, even yeah, uh, and you're making know? great points here, because uh, even if they could do that, it's it, it, you're, you're dealing with factors that they just know not what the consequences would be. There's a reason why I, I say I, I would prefer if I, God forbid, or anybody is, is in a, a conflict close quarters, I, I'd much rather go up against a firearm than a knife. People don't understand it. I'm telling you, I'm, I just, I have a much better, I like my odds better of getting that one shot offline um, versus, Absolutely. you know, trying to grab somebody's knife or strip it. Now, on the other side of it is if you aim for somebody's leg, it's the smallest target. It, you, the likelihood of hitting somebody directly or ricocheting is greater, right? And, yes, sir. And, and, it, and it's also not even likely that it's going to stop in this instance the force or the thrust when somebody's loaded like that and about to thrust that thing into somebody's chest. And aren't we trying to limit the responsibility of the police officers right now? So this is totally contra, contra, uh, contradictory. I mean, you're trying to limit the responsibility of the officers, take away their guns, take away, but at the same time, you want to hold them civilly liable. You know, it's just the whole system is getting confused. The cost to the city, let's say, you know, for example, these, somebody survives one of these shootings, okay? Let's say everything goes perfectly with the Miss Bryant incident. Officer fires at a, an extremity. The girl, the uh, victim is okay. EMS arrives, does good care. What are we going to do after? I mean, how, that woman's probably not going to want to go to work. You know, she's probably not going to want to contribute. She probably can't. If you shoot somebody in the buttocks and you hit the spine, they're going to be paralyzed. I mean, who's going to pay for that? Where, where are we going with this conversation is what I'm trying to figure out. And I was so disappointed in Kareem and Pastor Scott because I really like their message and I really I think that they have something positive they can do with their committee and their urban revitalization. But it's exploding all over media, social media now, because you have large heads of groups like this just ignorantly talking out of the side of their neck, in my opinion. Well, thanks for the work that you've done saving people's lives. I think it's actually one of the coolest things. I have a nephew 
who uh, is an EMT, and he does this, and he probably wants to go to medical school now, but, and I got to tell you something. I mean, it's a passion for people to, you know, deal with people with heart attacks and, and wounds such as those you're describing and, and the satisfaction, the personal satisfaction of, you know, coming home some days knowing that if you hadn't been there, that person wouldn't be around today. Uh, you, you can't match that in, in many professions. But anyway, Adam, we appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. I got to I gotta get the hell out of here. Florida, Texas, uh, Montana, I don't, South Dakota, where are we going? We got to get out of here. We're so stupid to stay in New York and California, New Jersey. It's nuts. Illinois. Uh, Brad is in Georgia. What's up, Brad? How are you? Hey, uh, good afternoon, Sean. Uh, thank you for having me. Thank you, sir. Uh, I'm retired uh, law enforcement from uh, South Florida. I currently live in Georgia. I'm retired happily in Georgia. Well, thank and you I just for your service to, to your community. How many years? You, Sean, 31 years. Wow. That's a long time. It's a long career. Good for you. Thank you. And thank you for your unwavering support of law enforcement. Um, what I wanted to share with you today is uh, listening to, yeah, I listen to your show all the time, watch your show on TV. Uh, the law enforcement, uh, I'm sure you've had other callers on this subject, but, you know, a law enforcement officer does not start their shift uh, anticipating, you know, that they're going to go out and have to use deadly force. As a matter of fact, that's the one thing that law enforcement officers dread the most is ever having to cross that line to deadly force. Um, I've been in that situation myself. And when you get called to what we call a hot call where there's a fight, there's weapons involved, uh, and when we get dispatched to the call, we're relying on information from radio. We don't know who's going to be on scene. We hope to get good information. We don't get to pick the sex or the, or the uh, race of who's there. We just are responding to that call for service. And the officer up in Ohio that had to, he was in a catch-22, and he used deadly force, and I, in my opinion, I think it's uh, appropriate. Uh, but it's also what I think we're missing, and I haven't heard much of on any show, is the uh, subsequent trauma that the officer involved that had to use deadly force goes through. And it, it, it's really uh, quite a lot, Sean. It's, and that's why center mass is the target, because of so many obvious reasons. Uh, it's less likely that somebody would miss and hit an innocent person. In this case, look how close the 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 per person that was trying to stab this other young girl in a in a pink outfit. Um, I mean, you have a fraction of a second. There was no other alternative in, in this scenario. And I talk about non lethal alternatives a lot. I talk about more training a lot. In this scenario, you need. And you had a highly skilled marksman. That was not an easy shot from that distance. I know it looks close. It's not as close as you think. And when somebody, when a perpetrator or an aggressor is about to kill some an innocent unarmed person, and they're that close, you have to be an expert. Because if you miss and you hit the, the innocent person, I mean, you're going to have to live with that the rest of your life. Nobody wants to live with that the rest of your life. That's correct, Sean. Yes, it's our training in most law enforcement agencies, I'm sure, across the country. Firearms training, we are we are trained to fire or shoot for center mass. And uh, just what you just said about the, uh, the, the trauma and the situation 
that I was involved in during my career. Um, it's baggage that an officer is going to carry with them for the rest of their lives. And I actually it's had terrible. To, I mean, uh, I, I, I listen, I have cop friends that have been through horrible situations. They never get over it. They, 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 they don't, they, they don't go to work every day. The people I know, the good cops out there, the 99%, uh-huh. they don't go to work to kill somebody. They go to work. They're willing to put their life at risk for others to protect and serve. It's a calling. It's not even a job. I mean, if they want to make more money in a lot of departments, you, you're better off doing anything else. Um, yes. uh, you know, it's if you want to make more money, work really hard and fewer hours. You know, you can work in sanitation for for New York City. Those guys make a. I'm serious. They make a good living. Yes. And oh, I have friends that do it. They right. love their jobs. They do their routes, and they can get it done. Sometimes in two hours, they're done. As long as they get that route done, they they move and they haul and they work really right. hard, and then they you know either have other jobs or they go home and you know do the things they like to do. But thank you for yeah. your service. It is an emotional toll. I I I don't think it's just sometimes people have to put themselves in other people's situation. That's why I say there's never a routine traffic stop for a cop. For that cop, they have no idea usually what's on the other side. Or sometimes they know what's on the other side is somebody has a warrant out for their arrest. And that becomes problematic. And and in the case of, of this one guy, you know, he had a, a gun violation. And they knew they knew that when that accidental shooting took place. Um, that ac- accidental discharge. I'm going to tase you. I'm going to tase you. Taser, taser, taser. Officer Potter. Oh, Schiff. She made a mistake. And it was a deadly mistake. And now people are going to want to put her in jail for the rest of her life. Not even listen to to her side of what happened and how that happened. Better training? Sure. I'm all for it. Um, thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Chris in Texas. Chris, how are you? Hey, Sean. Great to speak to you today. Thank you. Um, a couple things. Oh, you're welcome. A couple things regarding the LeBron James uh, situation. I don't think it's being properly put into perspective that you're dealing with someone who is content to be ignorant, okay? You don't say the things that he says on Twitter, and you're not content to be ignorant. Um, it's just like when he tweeted out that one time that blacks are being hunted. Totally ignorant and incorrect. Now, the question, the question what, I, what I'd love to see someone do with LeBron James is actually hold him accountable since he's hashtagged accountability on that tweet he did. And someone just to say, hey, LeBron, let me ask you a quick question. If that was your daughter or one of your, one of your family or loved ones as a, that was moments away from getting stabbed, would you have told the police officer not to shoot? And then just pause, because he really needs to answer that. I and agree with you. I think that's that a fair is, question. Once you realize that what you said was incorrect and this law enforcement officer actually saved a life and he's a hero, are you man enough to tweet out an apology to this law enforcement officer? I said the same exact thing. I think he should. Obviously, it's not going to be forthcoming. There are two issues here. I think you've hit on one. If that was your daughter and, you know, we had the guest on yesterday, Kareem, and he wouldn't answer the question. I kept asking him and I went at him pretty hard because it's such a key question. It's such an important question. And there's another factor in all this, too, is and I'm not a boycotter. I don't support cancels. I don't call for people to be canceled. I don't call for people to be deplatformed. I, I don't call for boycotts. 
Uh, if I don't like something, I don't have to watch it. And I have many choices and many options out there. And so I would say this, unfortunately, and the NBA has seen a massive decline in their ratings. I mean, I've seen them. I mean, my show's killing them in the middle of the playoffs, for crying out loud. I mean, it's, it's, it's a pretty remarkable trend where reliably in the past they'd have very, very high viewership. And it's, you, you see the same thing with other sports as well. I think the one thing that we always got out of sports that nobody ever factored in was we unite people with sports. You know, you have people of all backgrounds coming together, cheering on the exact same team and, and doing it with the same passion. And, yeah, I, I, it's just if LeBron James were to take the position that he has with 50 million people, and by the way, if it was a conservative, they'd be canceled off Twitter. At Jack would have deplatformed them, take them off, taken them off. But if you somebody like LeBron James that is, you know, idolized by so many for his, his incredible gifts and talents, right? And if he were to use that and start a foundation, a cause, and I know he has one, but an, but if he cares about this particular issue, pick a city, pick a town, start with one, move, build it to 50. I think the fans of LeBron James would rally around it rather than to make it in the divisive way. But nobody listens to me, Chris. Got to run, though, Chris. Thank you. 800-941-SEAN, our number. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today and this radio week. We got a great Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern, on the Fox News Channel. Uh, the latest on the police tensions in the country, the left calling everything racist, including opposition to D.C. statehood. Leo 2.0 Terrell, Candace Owens join us tonight. The outrageous media coverage, how corrupt it is, especially with the police. Joe Concha and Miranda Devine. Also, Tammy Bruce, Rick Grinnell, Steve Miller, and Devin Nunes. All coming up. Say DVR, Hannity, 9 Eastern. We'll see you tonight. Have a great weekend. Back here on Monday. We'll see you then.